0: Welcome to the Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory story, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning.
1: Hey, this episode is brought to you by In the complete course workbook, the same one that we use to teach our live certification classes, yours free. NLPwithMatt.com. Get it today. Let's get back to the show. Hello, welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. You know, this week, man, this week I am so blessed and so excited. I have, you know, sometimes we, we bring in a fresh new interview with someone that I've never met before, and I want to introduce you to someone that I'm excited to meet. This week, I'm excited for you to meet someone I've known for many years now. Um, a good friend is coming all the way from Austin, Texas, Ms. Sandra D. Robinson. She's a uh, very well-known as a television actress, soap opera star. She's an author, international speaker, TV radio host. Um, she became established with a lot of major roles. Uh, she had years acting on the soap opera Another World. Sunset Beach, Bold and the Beautiful, my favorite, my mom's favorite, General Hospital, Days of Our Lives, the Bay. She's guest starred on all sorts of primetime shows. You've seen her on CSI Miami, Criminal Minds, Two and a Half Men, a bunch of others. Um, she's also founded as a coach, Charisma on Camera, doing performance coaching all the way back in 2010, and her equine-assisted coaching program, Charisma, or Charismatic Cowgirl, in 2018. That's pretty cool. So we're going to get into that and, and a lot about how animals can coach us even more than we can coach us. She's master certified in NLP, hypnosis, stage mastery, and well known trained uh, at, in natural lifemanship and so many more and more things. But she is the coach, and more than anything, she is just one of the most authentic, sweet, wonderful human beings that you could ever spend time with. And I'm excited to introduce Sandra D. Robinson. Welcome to the show, my friend.
0: Uh, thank you so much. It's such a great thing to be here. I mean, I've been a fan of yours for a long time. So when you asked wow. me to be on the show, I was like, yay, let's do this.
1: Oh my that's gosh. Awesome. Wow. That's the first time I've heard someone say I'm a fan of yours. So, you want an autograph really? or something? How, just <laughs> <laughs> I also didn't say in, in your new bio, um, you're also married to a world famous uh, Hollywood stuntman. So First yeah, thing never. I want to say is, how is that never a dull moment in the Robinson never. household?
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never a dull moment. Yes. D- does, when you marry an adrenaline junkie of that degree, you never know what's going to happen. Like, he just joined well, the volunteer fire department. And, you know, people go, don't you worry about that? I'm like, I can't stop him. That's just kind of...
1: Well, now, I'm guessing as a volunteer fireman in, uh, in Texas, that's probably one of the safer things he does. And I was going to ask you, does Alan, does he bring his... Is that the personality that always shows up? Or is it like, does he go to work and go, okay, that's my stunt career. And I come home and I'm a little more of a, of a boring, I'm going to not boring, but you know, I'm going to read a book and relax.
0: Average Joe kind of dude. Um, Neither one of us relax very well, but I do have to say he relaxes much better than I do. So So is
1: is he like on stunting? And then when he comes home, he's like, I'm not doing that stuff. Or you said he's he's, kind of an adrenaline junkie. Does he find adrenaline stuff outside of work?
0: Oh, totally. In fact, most of his, his more severe injuries have come from playing
1: what kind of things did he like to, like what?
0: I, uh, he was a, a professional motorcycle racer. Of course you was. On that circuit. Of course, of course. Yeah. And the ones were like 160 mile an hour with the knee on the ground kind of guys. Okay. Um, and I can visualize he, that
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with the knee on the yeah, ground, that he, was good.
0: He had a very serious um, high side on that, which means that he came off on a certain direction in the bike that is very bad. Yes. Um, so, uh, he was, uh, doing some crazy skydiving stuff for a long time. Like, uh, I think he said 1100 takeoffs and no landings as he puts it. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I think you guys talked about that and he broke his femur on that. And typical of, of my husband, he had this big jump, like this big stunt jump that he had planned for the following week. I think when he broke his femur and he's lying in the field and his friend comes over and looks at him and goes, yells back over his shoulder, goes, call 9 one and Alan looks at the guy, looks down at his leg, who is at from the femur going off, and you know, his leg's going 45 degrees in the wrong direction, of course. And Alan says, wait, 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 don't call yet. Maybe we can fix it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can fix it. It's only yeah, a femur. Obviously,
0: he was in shock because that was not. <laughs> yeah, so this is, now he does search and rescue. So that's a big part of his adrenaline rush, like, you know, search and rescue, and now the volunteer fire department stuff. And I, I called him, he called me last night on his way home from a meeting at his new fire department and I said how'd it go he goes great he goes I got to drive a fire engine and like I'm like oh my gosh what are you six I'm
1: like, I mean yeah like that sounds like dad camp like oh, we all we all we all want to do that
0: exactly he is he's like a six-year-old people say do you have kids I'm like I can't possibly have another child <laughs> like that's crazy you know how long
1: ago did you guys go to move to Austin again now has been old? a while six years yeah, yeah it feels yeah. like forever but not that long but it is yeah. And you've settled in. So now like describe kind of the, the lifestyle, you know, you have the animals and you have the horses and you have, you know, the kind of farmland, how much space are you sitting on? Not bragging. I'm just kind of want to paint the yeah. picture of, you know, <laughs> well, life I, in I, Texas.
0: I tell you, I made a mistake um, the other day where I went to go visit a, a, a new friend's ranch, a horse guy around here. And I could just see forever and, and it seemed to all be his property. And, and I stupidly asked, well, how many acres do you have? And he looked at me and I realized this is a horrible insult to do that in Texas because he looked at me, he goes, you don't ask that. You might as well ask me how much money I have in my wallet. And I went,
1: wow. Oh, oh,
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's a, that's a thing.
1: So I will
0: answer. So you have,
1: you have a certain amount of space, which is great,
0: but you know, we don't have that much. When we moved here, we were in California because we had to be there for a long time. But when we left California, we felt like we had so much space, like we have so much acreage. And by, by Texas standards, we kind of have like the equivalent of a condo with some animals on it. It's, you know, my, my friends here have like real ranches. We would never call this a ranch, you know.
1: Yeah. So it you're not like, like, it, like the hundreds of cattle. Reason. Yeah. yeah.
0: We, we've just got a few acres and some horses and, you know, a gentleman farm, I guess you could call it.
1: But. Hey, i i I mean I, I can't tell you how much I get that because you know you know I grew up in california thirty eight years and I moved out yeah. to Michigan, and um geez, just being out here, you go, wait a minute the the neighbor's far away, this is incredible, and yeah, like the space is so so different now yeah. you said you, of course you came from l a and you were there for a while um i don't you know I, I know some of your story and I know like your bio story and everything but Tell me, when did you decide you wanted to get into acting? Because that was really like the fir- the major thing. That was the big um, kind of career move early on. Were you like one of those little girls that said like, this is going to be me? Or is this something that you started doing a little bit later on and realized that you were going to be doing it?
0: It's interesting. I did say that, apparently. I remember the, one of the family stories is that I said something like, I was going to be an actress when, I, when a neighbor came to pick me up, you know, walk me home from the stop or something. And I think I was maybe five, but my earliest recollection of wanting to actually do that was, um, I think, well, I was been in front of the camera since I was 11. So at a photo shoot that my sister went to, the photographer said, can I take some pictures of your sister? And then I discovered that I had a value maybe. Um, and when I then discovered that I could represent characters and i didn't have to be me that was even better because i uh, why didn't you
1: why was it better to be someone else
0: why was it better um i think like a lot of people we are given i just was listening to your interview with mia um a a little bit ago and you know she had brought up the fact that when we're when we're kids we look at our parents as being all-knowing yes that whatever they say is right even if it isn't but we own it as being real and that was kind of what i did i mean my my father didn't say much he was loving in his own way but my mother was not and a lot of the words that she said to me were extremely hurtful and devaluing and it went on for i mean you know all my life but when i found that i could be someone else then actually i mean i was actually told by her life would be better if you hadn't been born so when you hear that wow. from a parent and you own that um, so one of the reasons that I am such an advocate for, for my clients, whenever, because I, I, we were asking like, you know, how do I describe you? And I'm like, well, basically what it comes down to is all the work that I do. It's communication and connection. And the most important connection is in the relationship that you have with yourself. Well and said. Believing the truth about you that comes from the divine, that comes from God, that comes from, you know, your creator, as opposed to what somebody, whether it was a well-meaning parent, or in my case, a not well-meaning parent, whatever somebody told you that was false.
1: Yeah, that's so it's really actually good.
0: finding the strength within yourself that you've already been given to reach your potential. You know? And when
1: you just said like, you know, even a well-meaning parent, because you realize that we talk a lot, I think in the personal development space and coaching space about Um, you know, false things, right? Like, oh, this limiting belief or my mom or dad said this and it was negative. But I really love your point that it's like, what's the source really for knowing who you are? And I love that. If you know that, hey, my creator says this about me, that means that I don't, whether my dad says you're awesome or you're terrible or you're a (laughs) good fisherman or you're bad at it. It's like, even if he says something good, it's like, that's not necessarily true either right it's like yeah. why just because they're the most significant forces in my yeah. life for this age why do i need to focus on that completely but that pushed you early on into this yeah this whole it, well, career it, of starting to <clears throat> act and becoming someone else as you said
0: yeah and i think i was able to commit so fully to it because it was almost a survival mechanism and i find that i i worked i worked and still work with with artists of all different types. So whether they're actors and dancers, singers, musicians, um, even fine artists, a lot of them will put their work first. And like, here you go. And they hide behind it. I definitely did that. And it, because of the, the type of work that I chose and there I am on television, I have this fan following. I had people walking up to me and I had opportunities to represent charities where I had to quote unquote, be myself. And that's when I would fall to pieces. Oh, when they said, be no, no,
1: you're not the character from the soap opera. You just need right. to be Sandra.
0: Right. And I don't want to be that because that's not of any good. That's where I came from. So that's, you know, talk about limiting beliefs, dude. That's one of the reasons that I'm with such a, I was so intrigued by NLP for one thing, For you know, kind of what you do and understanding that you can override those things and that we have the power to do that. And I always ask somebody if they're, you know, just really simply if they're feeling something that they can't do, if they say, I can't do this, I said, whose voice is that telling you? Is it yours? Or is it God's? If it's neither one of those, you got to return it to sender.
1: Return to sender. And, and I want to get a little more it. into this. Um, but just before we move on, uh, I would be so remiss. And so would my mom, if I didn't ask you a couple quick career <laughs> questions, can we do that? Okay. Yeah. All right. So your, your first, was your first big soap, Another World? Was that yeah. the, kind of, that was, and that was on that like job. eight years or something, am I, do I remember now, that right? I'm all
0: told it was nine. I was there nine. and then I left. It's very incestuous, the whole like daytime soap thing. So I left, I went to a few other shows and I ended up coming back to it.
1: yeah, but, I tell yeah you, I, like, I, like we hate that, right? Like it's a, a daytime uh, fan, you hate yeah. when you love it, but you hate it when all of a sudden your favorite character shows up on another show, and you're like, "Wait a minute, no, that's Jack. Right, exactly. He's he's not this guy. What are you talking about?" So you exactly. you've been to quite a few different ones. Another role was the big one. Both, and I know General Hospital was a short stint, but if I remember, you played Felicia, one of the Felicias, yes, right? I did.
0: I think I've only guess- been two. I think I was. I, I think I was the only other one. Yeah,
1: and you lose count. Some of these characters, right? They keep on getting rebooted <laughs> over time. Oh yeah, I mean, I was the original. Know
0: on one show and then they replaced me three times and then it came back and everybody was like, ah, the real Amanda is back. And I'm like, all right, this is just crazy. Yeah. The but I see Amanda. the same thing. I mean, I've, I've worked in several shows with the same actors that I've worked with in the other shows. So.
1: And, and but it's funny that only in daytime, I think they treat it as if nothing changed any other show. <laughs> you can't just put <laughs> exactly. someone that looks similar. Ah, she's blonde. Ah. close
0: enough or or she's not I mean that's one thing is that we replace you with somebody looks like you sometimes they don't and that's such a stretch for the audience I'm like how can you possibly expect people to to do that but
1: yeah you're doing daily episodic it's a whole different thing so do you have any any stories from GH that pop out because this is a show that I watched as a kid in my mother's womb I mean I remember Scorpio and Luke and Laura the first time around and the whole WSB all that stuff man I was watching as a kid yeah, uh, so I know. It any quick stories too. or fun? There something about you know anyone you worked with or a storyline you remember? Uh,
0: it was um, it was one of the shows that I think I always wanted to be on. Interestingly enough, um, and in the end, I I kind of didn't want to be there all that long when I when I got the job. There was some discord had nothing to do with me. It was the environment, and I later worked with you said Scorpio, so I later worked with the actor that played Scorpio, and I said, hey, you know, the, the vibe there was really not what I expected. And he said, yeah, it's, it had changed, but it was a lesson for me in workspace environment that you may get the job that you think that you want, but if the environment is not healthy, you you can take a check and go, you know what, do I really want to be here? And is this where I am actually planted? Is this where I'm supposed to be? Can I do good here? And in that particular case, the show that I waited so long to be on, I really felt like I couldn't do good there. Um, the The writing was not something I was really proud of at the time. I was surprised and and disappointed, very saddened actually but i I chose not to stay there very long, but it was cool because there I am on the show that I kind of grew up with, watching you know running home from i think elementary school to like watch Luke and Laura and stuff right and and there's the sets and there's like the, there's the hospital like there was this kind of weird moment of kind of surrealism, you know it was neat yeah, yeah
1: you you I want to actually ask something just that you mentioned is you know yeah, the money's there or, what, or the, maybe the dream, but something that the environment wasn't positive. Yeah. If you looked at career, whether it's, it's running your own business or working somewhere, if you were to kind of rank values, so what's important? And I think you know, there's a lot of uh, studies lately that have been happening with a younger generation. And I find it fascinating that the older generation, you said, what's the most important thing in your job? Like what would keep you working somewhere? And money's gonna be really, really high, number one, number two, status, things like that. Now they're shifting into things like, well, how high is my contribution factor or is it supportive or flexible and things like that? Money's still there, but much lower. What's just kind of for you? Like if you were off top of your head thinking, I have a new job somewhere, I'm going to start a new business. What are some of the most important elements that you look for in an opportunity?
0: I would say a, a sense of honor within the corporate, within the culture so in honor of people and their talents if um so if somebody comes in with a talent don't ignore it put them where they where they do their best you know if uh just in honor in in everything in honor honoring your clients your customers honoring your boss i think there should be a level of honor for every one of those honor the people that are your competitors if i see that in a culture of a company i think that that's really um, and that's really great. You know, it goes right along with integrity and respect. And when you honor someone and their talents, they're able to make a bigger impact and influence in that company for good. Hence that whole sense of contribution gets increased just by honoring what that person is all about.
1: So would you say that's probably one of the top for you is kind I of honor, integrity, respect all tied together? Yeah. 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 Really, really good. I love that. And you, of course, obviously you bring that into, when you decided to start Charisma on Camera. I want to talk about that first. Um, mm-hmm. You spent, so how many years told do you, have you spent in television and acting?
0: Oh, do I have to say that? How many decades? Well, you don't have to. How many, how many, <laughs> no. how many acres I've...
1: of experience do you have?
0: <laughs> well, if I started, I mean, I, I literally have been in front of the camera since 11. And so I was doing commercials and and modeling, but doing commercials and things, moving in front of a camera since that age. So I mean, gosh, we are talking like basically four decades, you know? Um, so you have so so,
1: a ton of experience.
0: Yeah. At
1: what point did you say, because, you know, 2010, you started this. Um, you saw, I know, like you saw the gap. You saw people like me, people like a friend, <laughs> Bob Donnell, a little shout out to Bob, um, all the people, you know, we know a lot of the same people in this circle. Yeah. And you realize there's a lot of us, like for me, I could say, hey, I I learned how to to perform on stage live because I would be live speaking but you put that little red dot or now the green dot of the webcam in front of me and it's like how do I talk and the whole game has changed and I've been doing a little bit of like a little bit of tv in the last couple years doing some morning shows and news and things like that and I'll tell you my experience has been night and day as different as night and day are television versus live performing I can't Mm -hmm. tell you so what brought you to that first? And then I want to maybe kind of pick your brain for a couple of quick tips before we move on.
0: Yeah, I think, I think I was attracted to that because I felt like I wanted to make a bigger, I got to the point where I, I worked through a lot of my own stuff. Like I said, I believed all that negative stuff and I went, gosh, I think within a seven year period, I had 13 different coaches, not to mention psychotherapists and all of this because I was really, my initial thing was I need to figure out how to perform better. If somebody says, be me, how do I perform that? which is wrong right like it's the exact opposite (laughs) just be yourself okay so what's the prompt exactly exactly what's my motivation for being myself wait (laughs) hold on it's you yeah so so the so that was it it was like my real it turns out that my my real thing was finding out what what my gifts are what I was all about and and I didn't expect that to be my journey but knowing that that's what worked, I happened to be one of the performance coaches was a TV hosting coach. And she said, look, you're really good at this. Can you just do me a favor and take some of the newbies? And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Because can you teach? And I went, I can't teach. I don't know. I mean, isn't that funny? I mean, Matt, you might've had that moment too, or somebody's like, go be responsible in this job. And you're like, I can't do that. And it turns out that you actually are gifted in that, but we don't know sometimes. So I was, I was given the opportunity to teach television hosts and I taught them And woke them up and found their personal, you know, brand, I guess you could say on camera, the same way that I found mine, which is kind of digging from the inside out, lighting them up, getting them out of their head, and letting them be who they actually were, and then giving them the script so that they could just use the words to be who they actually are. And I I was extremely successful in that. And so that's one of the reasons that I started Charisma on camera was I thought, well, this way I can make it a really I can make a bigger impact and be more in control of what I'm putting out into the world than I am as an actor. Because I'll work with people that are gonna be impactful in society and I can help them actually get their message out. This is gonna be awesome. And that's the reason that I, I really sought to find entrepreneurs and visionaries that needed to get their voice out. And as you said, it's a, it actually isn't that different when you get really grounded in yourself and who you are and how you communicate, whether you're doing it on camera, whether you're doing it in person, whether you're doing it from a stage, but you do have to do a little shift in your perception to be able to feel grounded in all three of those things. Well, and, and
1: you mentioned the, the phrase, kind of working from the inside out, which I really like. So you're taking, I wanna be a host and I need to say certain things and I have my teleprompter. Right. But figure out who am I, work from the inside out and then let me come up and then the real me, whoever I am, I'm, now I'm gonna read that stuff and I'm gonna perform that stuff and I'm gonna right. interact with someone. How much is for hosting? And this is just, you know what, hey, Guys, this is my moment right now. I'm going to take the next couple minutes of this interview and ask questions I care about. So just bear with me for a second. Oh. I'm very interested in TV hosting. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been doing this radio show and podcast for a few years now and really enjoy the hosting aspect, right? Of just connecting with people. And, and sometimes it's, and you know how it is. Sometimes you, you have to bring out, not with you, but other people, I got to bring out the personality. Some yeah. people, I need to kind of quiet down and let them shine. You know, and you just, you, it's this funny, weird balance.
0: It's an what? art form. Once you, once you get to really have fun with it, you know, it's, it's a fun art form. It
1: is. Yeah. And you know, I I've said for years that I'm not creative. Like that's a, a phrase, a flag I've planted in the ground because I don't draw, I can't sing on key. Um, you know, I draw stick figures and everything around, Hey, w- put together fashion, put together colors. I'm like, I got nothing. I'm on this like lame climbing t-shirt, you know, <laughs> I'm very bad at all that stuff. But then my wife goes, yeah, but when you're speaking or when you're, you know, doing this coaching work, all of a sudden there's this creativity. So I love the idea of hosting. I've been talking too long. A couple quick tips. How much like improv is a good thing. And I see that sometimes on like on, on early morning shows where, you know, they're following something, but then they pop off and the best right. moments are these improvised moments, how do you tap into that? or how do you is it getting out of the way of it? Can you talk to me a little bit about improv versus scripting
0: yeah it's a it's a great question and i I am a firm believer in um number one if you're if you're going to be seeking posting or even guesting, it's really important that you know what your brand is what's your flavor what do people love about you so With really any of my clients, one of the basic things I do is a personal branding assessment. So we literally do that. We figure out, okay, by the way, your natural gift of being funny is actually what you should be using. And a lot of times that person is in an environment that they think, oh, I can't. I can't show them that side of me.
1: I need to be serious. No, no,
0: that's what people love, right? So to be able to say, no, it's okay, allow that. And suddenly then like, there's actually more expression. There's more freedom that comes from being able to speak in your own like you on your best day is kind of what I always want people to feel. And if you're having a really good day, you can sit in a conversation with somebody and make it flow.
1: Right. right? You're,
0: you're good. You're comfortable. And, and that's that's what we seek to achieve. So when it comes to the improv where you kind of go off on the side and you make a few comments and you relate to somebody, it's again, you're just building. If you're a host, you're just taking an opportunity to build another layer of that relationship with the person that is your guest. And if you do it in a very authentic way they're going to be even more comfortable so the more you do that off script the more comfortable a lot of guests are going to be because the number one thing that all fe- all human beings want is to be seen do you remember avatar
1: the oh yeah
0: crazy blockbuster movie right made ungodly amounts of money there was one phrase in that movie that made it a success there's one phrase do you remember what it was that the blue people said
1: i'm gonna guess it's i see you yes We all
0: want to be seen. So if you can interview or even let people know in a networking situation, right, from the stage, if you see somebody in the audience, let them know you see them and not, not just in a superficial, oh yeah, well, you're an insurance agent, you would understand, but really say, hey, you know what? I know that this value is important to you. And because of that, I mean, you can do this in your videos. Just say, hey, if you're in my community, I know that you value this, right? Or in my sense, if you're in my community, I know there's probably, you're probably a dog lover, an animal lover, right? Because I tend to attract those people. And so I can say that. And then suddenly the person watching the video feels like they're being seen. It's the same thing when you're hosting. You really want to be able to just, if you're doing an improv, come from that really authentic, natural place and let them know that you see them in whatever way that is.
1: That's so good. That's so good. How do you balance the other side of this, which is, especially in entertainment, whether it's television, it's podcasting, it's YouTube, whatever it is, when you're hosting, you need to sort of like be, you need to be the one seen too. So it's like, Hey, I need to be a personality and I need to let myself shine yet. I also want the person to be seen. They need to be the important person. Could you speak to kind of the balance of you being big, but also highlighting the people you are with because yeah. that, to me, I, I can almost get tripped up in it because it's like, well, I, I, I need to remind myself that, oh, no, no, I need to be, a, you know, more of me. But then I'm like, well, actually, no, it's all about them. How do I do that?
0: It's tricky. Uh, it, it is tricky. And I've hit that balance incorrectly a lot of times. You know, when I'm interviewing, I've listened back and gone, oh, my gosh, Sandy, shut up. That right?
1: makes me feel better because I said <laughs> the same thing every time. <laughs> Shut up. I'm so sick of Me, you. I do know about
0: them. But but part of it is to finding that balance is understanding. Like I used to say to my hosts, I like, go, oh, if your show is boring, it's your fault. And they would get this yes. look. I'm like, I'm sorry, but it's kind of true. I mean, you're taking on that responsibility to be a leader. This is where the leadership, you know, in communication comes in. You are leading the audience. You are leading the guests and you have to do that in a way that's authentic to you. So your natural leadership abilities have to kick in whenever you need it. So if you need to go to a commercial and they're in the middle of a story, you have to interrupt in the correct way to say, oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear the rest of this, but we got to pay the bills. Hang on one quick second. You know, you find a way to, to do it as opposed to kind of fumfering through it. And it makes you a much stronger assertive, non-aggressive person. Um, and and I think knowing that, hey, I, I am in control, and because I'm in control, I'm going to draw my audience's attention to you because I think you're fabulous. Watch people that are really good at interviewing, and you'll see this. I mean, one of the classics to, to observe is, believe it or not, Barbara Walters. I studied her because she would do those. Remember, she would do the Emmy, and I, I think it was Academy Award interviews with people. Yep.
1: Yep. And their
0: thing was, you're not going to make me cry, Barbara.
1: And what did she do? She always
0: got them crying. It didn't matter if it was a guy, a girl. Like, it did not matter. She got them crying because she got them so comfortable and had such rapport with them that she could draw them into where she thought the audience had questions that needed answered.
1: When well, she really, it's like she made this space that people can be like, oh, I finally feel like I could actually just be me. I feel so comfortable with you. Yeah. And what a hard thing to do when you have three cameras and lights and boom mics and all these things around you. So hard. Yeah. It feels so artificial, right? but to get that real—that's amazing.
0: Oh, Oprah uh, obviously is also very good at that. There's a sense of, huh? She's pretty good. She's okay. That lady. Yeah,
1: I think I've heard of her. Yeah, (laughs) Oprah The richest woman
0: in the world. Winfrey,
1: that's what it is. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: You know what I'm loving too is Ellen. I think you know there's no next Oprah, but there's definitely a space that that open. And I've been watching Ellen in the last several years go from oh, that'll be a a fun show with a comedian turned host to really this iconic experience. And, but I'm watching her as a host and saying it's because of how she is with the people. Yes. More than anything.
0: And it's interesting that you say that. I want to point that out because what you just did, see this was something that I used to ask people when they would come to get their, their, their strength on camera, like years ago, when I started charisma on camera, I would say, tell me who some of the people that you like to watch are. And they would tell me, and sometimes they would be really in a line with how this person was showing up. I'm like, oh, of course, yes. Like you saying, Ellen, I'm like, of course, Matt, Ellen, you guys have some similar stuff like in the way you interview and the way you are. And you're just kind of natural and um, sometimes self-deprecating in a funny way. You have a humor. So I can say, yes, I see that. And there are things that you can look at that she is doing that are probably already within you that you just need to pull out. And that's what I would look at. I would see people that would come that would maybe say, well, I love Ellen and they don't have a single bit of what I see as a similarity to her. And I would say, what is it about her that you love? And they would say her humor, her this or that. So I would dig deeper and I would go totally off topic with them and say, so tell me, what do you do for fun? And then they would give me who they really are Right. and who they really are was what was attracted to the humor because they probably had some humor. They probably had some of those things that the person they most admired was displaying, but they were holding them back. And so that really gave me um, a path to pursue sometimes to be able to say, okay, so you like this person and guess what? That's already in you. We're going to find it. We're going to pull it out. And when you do that, then it's like play day, you know?
1: And this is a perfect segue to, uh, I want to talk about the other piece as well, the charismatic cowgirl. I know. Play
0: day. (laughs) Yeah. And and
1: that's, and look, and that's a fun title and a fun name and everything, Mm -hmm. but it's so much deeper because, you know, and and again, I remember when you first started telling me about the work you're doing with horses, you're coaching people. And a big part is trying to find who the person really is. And you say, you can lie to yourself or to someone else, but you can't lie to the horse. Can you tell me a bit about... Kind of the origin of that, maybe your first few clients, why you went into this world, and then are you still, you know, is is that something you're still doing actively, and what is this all about?
0: We are, yeah. It's like this. It's a another pillar of what I do, but it's still it's still all about connection, communication, and relationship. So it's really not that different. In fact, what it is is the most natural experiential exposure to how you're showing up in the world. You're going to get the brutal honesty of. Of a horse looking at you and saying you're not really what you're saying you are, and in order to build that relationship, we do everything on the ground. We don't ride, at least not at this point. We we don't ride with the horse powered programs, and that's what all of them are called by the way, horse powered. Because I started to work with corporate groups, including so men. And maybe they don't want to be a charismatic cowgirl. So um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking. Some of them may want to be more power to
1: them. <laughs> I want to be a charismatic cowgirl. I'm going so to we- camp.
0: <laughs> Yeah. So I had to make a slight adjustment for that. Yeah, for no, that. I like
1: the horsepower. That's really good. I'll sign awesome up for that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Horsepower sounds a lot better. But, but the charismatic cowgirl, literal, that, that women leadership and communication program that I developed originally, that, that was really based on the fact that I had um, seen the work in the therapy world that horses were able to do with children recovering from some of the most severe trauma that you can ever imagine. And when I saw that, I went, this is really cool. I have no idea what it has to do with me. It was kind of a freak thing that I ended up in this location to witness this. And it was almost two years later I met a woman that was a coach and she used horses. Uh, and I and I will say she used horses at that point to um, do her her work. And I'm like, wow, so there's not just therapy, there's like coaching with them. What's that all about? And I actually, you know, for a while had another facilitator working and doing what I was doing. And I realized that there was something more to that. Like, you know, you see something and you go, "Eh, I hate to say this because I don't really know, but I think there's a better way.
1: Right. And And I'm still new at this, so I shouldn't be thinking that.
0: I I definitely thought that I shouldn't be. I don't have the right to, but I think. I think there's something missing. And for me, it was all of the years of when when my mother used to ignore me, I would go out into nature and I became obsessed with animals and animal communication and interspecies communication. And it's always been like this side, crazy, stupid passion of mine, along with the human brain and human behavior. I was studying that. And so I was looking at the horses I'm thinking, they're missing all of these cues. Like this horse is telling them stuff and they're 're totally missing this, so I did find a modality that actually acknowledged that hence that 's what you had mentioned natural lifemanship is one of them, and it kind of turned me on to this whole thing of maybe I can do this myself and then I got the download of the name for the women charismatic cowgirl, and we found this location here that. We bought without actually setting foot on the property here in Austin. Whole scary. That's a whole nother bottle of wine. But,
1: <laughs> right. but the
0: barn here was actually built by women. So when I walked into the barn, it is a cowgirl barn. There's a bar in my barn that is decoupaged with cowgirls. It's cow, everything in it is cowgirl. And every time that I would think, I can't do this, I can't move forward. Like Moses, don't send me God. I can't do it. I would get this literal, almost a voice over my shoulder going, I gave you the barn. Now go. And when I started, Ooh. yeah, and I had no excuse, right? You're like, "Yes, sir." Okay,
1: I gave uh, you the barn. Now go,
0: now go. And I had so many reasons to not. And you know, when you're starting something new, I don't know. I for me, I can. I sometimes will sit. and I'm doing that with the podcast right now, Matt. I need you to kick my butt. Um, but that with my podcast, not yours.
1: Yeah, so, no, it's time so, to get it out.
0: Yeah. I gave so you the podcast. Now go. I, <laughs> now go. I gave you the. I gave you Matt. Now go.
1: <laughs> I love you I gave that. you your coach. Now go. Uh,
0: but, but there, there is definitely something that I was very, uh, felt very strongly about even in the beginning when I felt like I was kind of clumsy. You know, anytime that you start, if you're a coach, you, you mean Matt, I remember you, I'm sure that you can remember the first couple of people you coached. You're like, they're listening to me. What? <laughs>
1: right? Oh yeah.
0: You're like, "Am I doing this right?" And then you see the results, and you go, "Okay, I'm on the right track. I think I can do better and then you you hone it and I always like to say that you know my my crazy background of acting, studying human behavior um hierarchy of emotions, and all of that, and then going into n l p to help myself and the hypnosis and all of this stuff, and then alongside studying the animals and understanding the natural world, my brother is a wildlife biologist, so he fueled that as well um I think it all kind of comes together in what I'm doing. And I can see women that come in and men as well that come in and leave a different person, even in just a few hours, because horses are, are prey animals. So they read energy in the environment. That's how they stayed alive for so many millions of years, more than us. They've been here longer than us. And the reason mm. that they are able to do that is they can read when energy ships and a predator, that predator can be hanging out and sleeping. But when that mountain lion wakes up and takes a look, it goes, I'm hungry. They know. And So when so it's you, like
1: almost a sixth sense for the horse where we might not see the change right. in the predator, but they can sense it.
0: They can sense it. And here's the thing. They react to it, obviously. So it's like a billboard, right, that something has changed. Something is either right or wrong in their environment, and they're going to let you know. And so when we walk in and we say, I am totally confident that I can move this horse, and you're really not, um, that horse will turn around and look at you and be like, ah, no, don't think so. Until you say, "Look, I don't know what I'm doing." I had one woman, and I have a picture of this too, where she finally turned to me and she put her hips on her hands on her hips, and and she's a great, you know, very imposing figure to some people, was strong, appeared to be a strong leader. But she turned to me and she goes, "I have no idea how to communicate with her." I'm like, "Great, start your conversation from there." So good. Honor who she is, meet her where she is, and say, "I have no idea what I'm doing." And sometimes that's the most difficult thing as a leader to do, but it's sometimes what you have to do. And you have to be vulnerable enough to realize that it's okay if you say, I don't know the answer. Let's work it out together.
1: Do and you that think was, that's, do you and think that that's the horse weird.
0: turned and, and started walking with her immediately when she said that she put her shoulder, she put her hands down from her angry stance and lowered her shoulders and said, I don't know what I'm doing. And the horse automatically walked over to her. I mean, it's that clear.
1: Do you think that's something that leaders need to be doing more like in general, in business, in the world today, having those conversations of, hey, if I don't know what I'm doing, I just want to say, I'm not sure what to do, but I want to talk to you about it. You know, those really real, frank, um, authentic conversations, or is there ever a time when that's not appropriate in your mind?
0: I'm sure there'll be times, depending on the situation. Yeah, there'll be times when it's more appropriate than others. But I think it comes down to that honor that I mentioned before. If you really want to honor somebody, instead of telling them or ordering them or being predatory, bullying about your leadership when you may not know that you're going the right course, is to actually sit down and go, "Hey, we got to figure this out. We're going to make sure we're making the right decision."
1: So, I like your. I'd even I like your help on it, or I want to run something past you. What do you think about this? And actually, mean it. You know, yeah, really, and then have
0: your boundaries in place which is another thing that the, you know, that this type of work does is it, it enforces, it forces you to recognize your boundaries, both personally. And, and even when we're talking about asking for your worth, there are people, this will show up. This is the kind of stuff that shows up when you're working in that natural environment with a horse. If you're not assertive enough to ask for what you want, that's going to show up in how you ask for your value. If you're speaking from the stage and trying to enroll people into a, 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 a program and you're a little shy about it, you're worried about whether they're gonna like you, that's like somebody walking over to a horse asking it to pick up its feet and they don't really believe it's gonna happen. Wow. And then I say, step back. I want you to envision what you want to happen. And the woman will be like, okay, I kinda of do it. I go, no, kinda of isn't good enough. I want you to actually picture that horse picking up its feet, you are its leader, you're taking care of it, you go over and you, and we have this little sight, you know, quick meditation. And if they change their energy before they even put their hand on that horse's foot, the horse is lifting up.
1: Wow! And the horse didn't change; the person did. No, now, this just is very the they
0: We humans do the same thing. See, we just we overthink things. When we meet somebody that isn't congruent, we know we go, I don't, I'm not really sure if I trust that.
1: Something's off. I don't know what it is. Something's
0: off. Right. But yet we continue in a polite conversation because we have the societal pressures. And in order to relieve the pressure, we're going to go ahead and continue that conversation. Whereas a horse is like, no, I'm out. (laughs) Uh, I I got nothing invested in a conversation. Don't even speak your language. So I'm out of here. I'm not comfortable. And that's when we realize, oh, wow. You know, um, leaders, a lot of times, if they don't know what they're doing, they increase their energy. A lot of times it comes from a survival mechanism, something in their life. It could be from trauma that they've established this make the energy higher and everything will be fine.
1: And just do more of what's more of what's not working to make it work.
0: Right. Yes. This
1: is, this is genius and it's super inspiring. And I would almost say it's awesome. It is inspiring. awe, And there's a lot of ways that you can continue because I want to continue the conversation, but we're just about out of our time. Um, You have something you do for people. You have these awe inspirations, prompts to increase yeah. positivity and yeah. focus every day. guys, yes. you can find out more about that at Sandra D that's D E Sandra D Robinson.com forward mm-hmm. slash awe inspirations. We'll have that in the show notes on demand. Can you tell us a little awesome. bit about Thank you. what that awe inspirations is? Yeah. And we're getting out of it.
0: Awe is, well, in all the work that I do, we do a lot with emotional regulation and self, um, Self, self-empowerment self and the fact that you, you need to be focused in order to be productive, right? And a lot of times when people come into the horses, that's one of the experiences they have. Is they have to be immediately focused. If you don't have a horse in front of you, uh, the Which ability to not. tap. You do not. Most people don't. Like, you know, hanging out in your apartment, you probably don't have one. So I'm thinking that maybe <laughs> we might want to give you a way to access that immediate Focus and the emotion of awe is more recently studied than most of the positive emotions, and it will actually energize you. Oh, I'm sorry, it will, uh, it will, it will focus you on the on the positive, but it will actually calm you. So then you will be at a very productive, positive state of mind. And so what this what this little um, prompt book does is actually helps you to tap into that within a few minutes every day, and you can reach that point that we get people to in the round pen with the arena so that you can actually focus and especially now i mean people are going through some tough times financially and everything we can get into a state of overwhelm and, and anxiety so it's a great tool to be able to have
1: so ah uh, and i love that like one of the most powerful states to be in which i don't think of very often i think of excited happy but it's ah uh, you're looking at this wonderful sunset that was created for you you're sitting in front of a majestic huge being of a horse having that awe and actually brings peace. So go to Sandra D forward slash awe inspiring or sorry, forward slash awe inspirations. I'll have that in the show notes and you can sign up and get connections with Sandra D Robinson all the time. And she's going to send you tons of things for awe. You can also follow Sandra on Facebook at coach Sandra D and Instagram at me. I'm Sandra D me. I'm <laughs> Sandra D. And well, we'll leave that there. Sandra, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, It was a genuine pleasure and fabulous to see your wonderful face again.
0: Uh, Thank you. It was so much fun. Thank you, Matt.
1: All right. Talk to you soon. Hey guys, that's the show this week. So thank you again to Sandra D. Robinson. Um, What an amazing, amazing human being. Um, So much to unpack. I would encourage you to go back and find this show on demand. It's free. You can go anywhere where podcasts are and you can listen to this again and again and unpack the the camera work, unpack the confidence work, unpack the true to yourself identity work, and certainly go over uh, and get that, that awe inspiration. That's going to be huge. So it's SandraDRobinson.com forward slash awe inspirations. I'm going over there right now and I'll see you next week. Get out there this weekend and stay driven or whatever it is we're doing nowadays. All right, bye.